The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, delighted to be with you for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. And do we have a great show for you today. The United Soccer Coaches announcing the featured presenters for the 2018 convention in Philadelphia. And we've got two of the big names, Eric Winalda, right? U.S. legend, big-time TV personality, and a man who's announced that he's going to run for president of U.S. soccer. Are you kidding me? He always presents at the convention, and he's always wide open, ready to tackle the biggest issues, including trying to become president of U.S. soccer. He'll kick off the show. Greg Lawless, vice president of content for Major League Soccer, will break down the Major League Soccer playoffs and the candidates for the postseason awards as we talk Major League Soccer. Remember, we're always current here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. And Lee Howard, another member of the impressive United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. She's an assistant coach at Bucknell. She's joined the Danielle Slayton, Jerry Smith program out in Santa Clara. Always looking to learn. You'll like Lee Howard. And, of course, finally, college soccer is heating up in a big, big way. Don't forget to check out the United Soccer Coaches rankings for college soccer at all levels. Speaking of that, how about Rob Kehoe, the director of college programs? Can't miss games this week at the D1 level. We'll start with the women going to Los Angeles for most of the weekend for Pac-12 duels, where six points are on the line for each team chasing the title. UCLA, 19 points, hosts Stanford with 24 Cal, 19 points, goes to USC there at 21. UCLA entertains Cal. Stanford travels to USC. Then Florida at 21 points tries to close the gap, hosting South Carolina. They've got 25 and open the door for Texas A&M to claim the SEC crown with a win versus Mississippi State. That's the final regular season SEC game. Virginia, they have 19 points. They host Duke with 27. Virginia could play spoiler with a win to open the door for the Tar Heels. And Notre Dame travels to North Carolina. They have 25 points. With a UNC win and a Duke loss, the Tar Heels jump over Duke for the ACC regular season championship. That's on the women. On the men, how about the Big Ten? You kidding me? Two Big Ten games that will decide the regular season and tournament seeding four teams in the hunt. It's Indiana at Michigan State, both sitting on 17 points. And it's Michigan at Maryland. Maryland on 17 and Michigan at 16. Big 10 coming down to the wire. Also want to be at historic Riggs Field in Clemson. They've got 12 points. Trying to leapfrog over Louisville at 13 for tournament seeding. No one is catching Wake Forest, the number one team in the country right now, with 21 points in the ACC. And SMU with 12 points travels to South Florida They have 10 to fight for the top spot in the American Athletic Conference. UConn also has 12. And finally, Lehigh hosts Loyola of Maryland. Both are jockeying for the lead in the Patriot, along with Boston U. Loyola and BU are at 15 points, and Lehigh is chasing with 13. Great breakdown, as always, from Rob Kehoe. 
And we get things started with Eric Wanalda, a featured presenter at the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia, and a man who has said he's going to run for president of U.S. soccer. Waldo, Eric Wanalda, next on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com united. Now, once again, here's your host. Dean Linky. Today, the United Soccer Coaches unveiling the presenters for the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. And with bright lights around them, as always, the focus on the former U.S. national team superstar, media personality, one of the most outspoken people in the game. That's why we love him. We're talking about number 11, Eric Wilnalda. We'll kick off the show, and Eric Winalda's with me now. Eric, great to be back with you. Thanks for being on the show. Always a pleasure, Dean. All right, first off, we got a lot of news to cover with you, young man. Is uh, You are a busy man right now, but the biggest news is uh, the presenters are unveiled. Usually you kind of take your time to decide what you're going to talk about. You kind of leave it open sometimes, Eric. Do you know what you're going to talk about? What can you share with people about what you will feature at the convention in Philadelphia? Well, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's always platforms and directions you can go with, with topics that, that hit the heart of, of what our, our soccer community is, is most interested in. I, I think it's, it's the more important thing that I need to do right now is, is to define and explain Pulisic. Uh, Christian Pulisic is, is, is a wonderful player, but there's a lot of people that have some curiosity about you know, how he happened. So I'm, I'm essentially going to dive into the, the essentials there. There's a lot of people that, that are concerned about the academies uh, and our developmental system. Those are all things that you can uh, address in different ways. But uh, the bottom line is, is that, that that is a very impressionable age, 16, 17, 18. And I do think that is the age that we, where we get it wrong in this country. And th- that will be uh, my topic. I'll, I'll dive into some solutions and some remedies there, some, some help for people that are, are really trying to, to figure out how, uh, how we, 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 we don't have to create them, but how these players are created, how, how, where do they come from, and when, when we run into some, someone as talented as Christian Pulisic, how do we, uh, how do we address it? And I think I've got ideas for, for some of our coaches out there. And the good news is it means less work. That's it. Don't overthink it. Don't overcoach it because talent will always teach you more than you're able to teach them. So there you have it. Eric Winalda is going to talk about Kristen Pulisic and how he came to be and everything else associated with that as part of the convention. And before we get to some of your other big announcements, why is it you say yes every time the United Soccer Coaches call you to be a presenter? Well, I haven't missed a, uh, a convention in, in 20-some-odd years, even going back to my playing days. I was lucky, though, because uh, I played uh, in the German Bundesliga, which meant that I was on break. So I was able to come back. Um, but I've, I've always feel like the convention uh, is, 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 for many reasons, a great way for, for people to collect information, to continue their, their journey uh, as a coach, 
um, we always say if you stop, you stop listening and learning, you, you stop living. So especially in this, in this day and age uh, where there are so many different ideas floating around, everybody has to mold themselves into the coach that they, they think they need to be. Uh, and that's where you collect a lot of this information and you do a lot of listening and you, you can take some notes from the way maybe somebody does something that, or you can learn something or a different way to exercise your trade. And that's, 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 a really huge, important part of, of growth. So I always go back, at, and, and I usually, you know, first and foremost, if Hank Steinmester is anywhere in, in the room, that's uh, my first reason to show up uh, because I, I always enjoy my time with Hank. But uh, this year in particular, as you, I'm sure that's where you're going, uh, there'll be plenty of reasons for me to be there. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, let's go there. Eric Winalda, who uh, you talk about uh, different interests. Uh, you've, you know, thought about being a coach at a high level you continue to be a great personality on media you continue to accept the role of you know perhaps being a lightning rod and right now it's a lightning rod time in soccer completely unrelated to you Eric Waldalda but now you said you know what I'm gonna run for president and you're gonna run for president because for the first time since 1990 the U.S. soccer team did not make a World Cup Eric I hate even saying that but it clearly sparked the reason you want to do it. So tell us all you can. You woke up one day, you said, I'm doing it. How did it happen? And what do we do next? Well, I mean, I hate to disappoint you here, but uh, I didn't wake up on Wednesday morning and say, I want to run for president. I was thinking about it um, regardless. And we had already been about three months into a process of really evaluating what's wrong uh, and how you could fix it. So my platform was already we had discussed it we had it's been a a lot of time researching certain things uh that if in the event that i would run for president uh, which at this point i have only announced that i intend to submit my paperwork so that is where we are right now there is a process that i have to go through but uh look i'm 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 going to follow through on this i i I do think that there is a need for change and and that what that means is to a lot of people out there who are listening it doesn't mean change for the sake of change there are reasons why uh our system is is faltering and it's very important it's paramount that we have uh, a clear understanding of what that that new direction or that new vision needs to look like you know i'm not trying to beat up on sunil galati because i think sunil has done a wonderful job uh, as far as the foundation in in certain respects you can't really say the structure i've said this in previous speeches and then i thought about it and i really don't think the structure is something that we need to be celebrating um as far as first division second third uh, fourth and, and the way our tiered system works at the professional level, it's all over the place. And I, I, and I think that that is a really big part of the problem. It's also all over the place at the youth level. So when you have a professional uh, you know, setup that is being you know, emulated by our youth setup, it's, it's, it's growth, and it, and, it, and it seems like it's, it's going in the right direction. But I've, what I've discovered is we don't have a direction. And what that what that means is, in, in order for us to to go uh, where we can go and to realize some of this potential, we have to have a clear vision of of who we are and where we can go and how do we get there. I don't think that exists right now. I don't think it, it has ever existed. I think that Sunil was very fortunate that he had someone like Jurgen Klinsmann uh, as his as his uh, national team coach because Klinsmann came to the table with an idea and a vision. And that made Sunil's job a lot easier. Now that he has been removed from that position, 
we tried to put a Band-Aid on this thing, and we were we were reminded in a hurry that uh, we need to figure this out. So that would be my my role in all this. Uh, I think it's it's not circle the wagons time and and uh, and, and try everybody freak out and feel like you know we, we've got to make dramatic changes. I think the system just needs some tinker in here. It needs there's some alterations that can be made to make us a much better soccer country. Uh, and I intend to share that vision and share that plan with the appropriate people at the appropriate time and get us back on track. Well, a couple of the things that you've thrown out already via social media and the like is promotion and relegation for our professional leagues and equal pay between the men's and women's U.S. national teams. Why are those two key elements of what uh, you will call your campaign at the moment? Well, look, I, I think first and foremost, I think promotion and relegation is something that a lot of people don't have a clear understanding of. Most of them, the people that, that, that hear or they want to discuss it as a, as a topic, what will end up happening is they'll only discuss the doomsday of, of relegation. And the financial benefits of promotion aren't always uh, discussed. And, and, and the, the financial benefits and the incentivized, uh, well, the incentivized structure of winning uh, is something that I think would. There are many owners in within the major league soccer structure that would take a hard look at that. These are business people that would would love to come up with uh, you know a, a number that wasn't read at the end of the at the end of the season. So that is something that that needs to be explained and discussed. And I, I plan on uh, essentially trying to facilitate that. But as far as the women are concerned, I, I mean I don't think there's anybody out there in this day and age that's going to put their hand up and say that women don't deserve. Uh, equal pay, especially as, as far as our national team is concerned. And our national team and our women have made us so proud, and it just has not been reciprocated. They they feel like they've been taken advantage of. They feel that they, uh, they've been manipulated. They've been lied to and deceived, and they've been living in fear. And, and that's what happens with the Federation. And I hate to say this, but as an ex-national team player, and I'm still in contact with many of the national team players or even uh, putting on the jersey uh, very recently, the relationship between the United States Soccer Federation and its players is horrible. And, and that's a horrible thing to say, but it's the truth. It's the ugly truth behind all this. And that friction that exists not just on the men's team, but also on the – you think that's bad with the men. It's ten times worse for the women. So I think rectifying some of those – or at least rebuilding that bridge and having a better understanding of what it means when we say we as a country. The Federation needs to do a better job. Uh, of taking care of its own and not having that, that relationship uh, that the 90, 10 partnership, that's more like 50, 50. And I, I think my understanding of that is very unique because I lived it and I would be able to, you know, hopefully rebuild that bridge and allow our women to feel that, that when they play for their, their country, when they put on the Jersey, that we are completely behind them and we can prove that and we, we can reestablish a relationship that makes sense. Because a relationship is what we currently don't have. It's, it's, it's not good enough, and it needs to be fixed. All right. So particularly on the United Soccer Coaches, which has done such a great job opening the doors for opportunities for women and people of color and the like, it's certainly diverse. They'll love hearing that. They may step back and say, wait a second, the men's team – I mean, they've got these oxygen chambers over their beds in Mexico. They're taking charter flights oftentimes. They've got it pretty good, and that was one of the reasons maybe they didn't make it 
some people have said a certain level of arrogance. How do you answer that? Well, I mean, I think you know, even more recently, Claudio Reyna, who's one of our more celebrated um, internationals, said that that he thought that arrogance had something to do with it. I, I think there is something to be said about being pampered a little bit too much. And you know, I lived in a, uh, and played through a different era where things were very different. Uh, we did carry our own bags, and we did take middle seats to Costa Rica, Trinidad, Jamaica on commercial flights. So um, it is a different it's a, a different time, and uh, clearly, you know, taking the chartered flights and and um, staying in, in great hotels uh, it does at times have an effect on on you know your performance because it's supposed to be conducive to a better performance uh, but when you get complacent and i'm not suggesting that these guys did um it could have something to do with it now i i'm i'm not going to argue that point what, what i would say is that the culture needs to change and a culture that if an organization that strives for greatness should always be the sum of its parts and that what that means is Again, back to that cultural relationship that's gone bad, uh, we need to fix that. There, there needs to be um, a lot of work done in, in, in that area. And that mainly is because of many of the negotiations that have happened over the years have, have just put up so many barriers and walls. And you know, it doesn't become um, – it becomes a lack of respect. And in this situation, it's, very, it's imperative right now that we – learn to accept each other and respect each other as we move forward. I think that respect part is, is, has been missing, and, and I think the players know it. No one likes to admit it, uh, but playing for your country is an honor it should, and a privilege. It should not be an obligation. How many guys are, are, are looking to get out of these camps simply because you watch? A lot of players will, will, will not come in, even though they are, are, uh, have been asked to come in and play and represent their country, which should always be an honor. But under the circumstances right now, People are going to say, how dare you not come in? They don't want to play for our country. Mm. And that is because of the way that they've been treated in the past. We need guys to, 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 to want to come and play for our country and, and feel um, that their federation's got their back and you know, not standing there with, with a knife waiting to stab. And that really has been uh, something that has been remiss in all this. And our national team players are, have, have been miserable for a couple of decades. We need to change it. Now, you started the show telling me that, uh, hey, my decision to run for president had nothing to do with us not making the World Cup. I was thinking about this 90 days ago. Why is that? Why were you thinking about it? Because of those reasons you just talked about? I was thinking about this for the last six years. Okay. I, there have been signs of, of digression for a while. We have been going the wrong way for, for a while. And these are things that concern me. I mean, I'm, I'm 48 years old now. I'm, I'm not some kid who can, can be just fed a line and then just will comply. I know what I'm talking about, and I know what I'm looking at. And sometimes some of my advice falls on deaf ears, and people say, oh, it's okay, we got this. And we just got that this weekend. Uh, I, was in, I was in Tahoe, and, and Sunil Gulati asked everyone to be civil, and he asked everybody to understand that we're going to be okay. That was his message to all the members of the um, adult associations in America and when they had their, their, their mid-year meeting. Everything's going to be okay, was his answer. And look, Mr. President, it's not okay, and it's not okay for America to be okay with being okay. Nobody wants to be mediocre anymore. 
you know, and I, I said this on the stage and I'll say it again. We need boots on the ground. We need people that understand soccer to fix the soccer problem. We don't need a guy with political aspirations with one foot in New York and the other foot in Zurich. We need you here now to help fix this problem. But the problem with Sunil is he can't fix the soccer problem. He can't. We all need to know that. We need to recognize that and understand that this is about soccer now. The business is fine. The business isn't going to go away. And I'm not going to lie to you. I I think there's people that I will surround myself that will help on the business side and help facilitate relationships. And I'll build a team that's knocked down, drag out, the best that we can find that are going to understand the culture and, and the way our structure works within this country. But when it comes to the soccer, we need help. We need direction. We need a vision and we need to change our culture. He cannot provide that. Okay. That's with all line. that said, if somebody pinned you against the wall and before we get to a couple other issues here and said, this is why the U S team did not make the world cup for the first time since 1986. What's your answer? Why did they not make it? I think, you know, when we look at the way um, our league is structured, um, and, and, and unfortunately, this will be the perception of reality. It isn't necessarily the, real, the reality of the situation, but our league failed. Our MLS failed, and it failed to, to have, you know, a bunch of players that were up to task. And, yes, we brought in some guys from the outside, but – when you have uh, a league that is not necessarily playing for the competitive, competitive merit of things, they are simply a location-based entertainment league, the, 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 there are players get complacent. Our players are not competing for the right reasons. And when they get, when push came to shove and it was time to really fight, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to take the gloves off and make this, make this a fight, and that's not – their fault they have been in the wrong environment for a while now look that that needs an explanation because Klinsman would would talk about it all the time and he got a lot of flack for it but the truth is is that in the in the current climate of things our country needs to figure out a way to make this league more competitive and i have the answers for that i can't share them with you today on your program i apologize because the platform isn't all the way ready yet but we're going to make the, the presentation to the uh, appropriate people to change things for the better to make our league um, a league that makes sense, that is all about uh, competition, and that will ensure us that our players are going to be ready to compete when we ask them to. It's not, it's not that easy. It's like a switch. And then just and be able to turn it on in the appropriate moment. And that's what happened to us. We Eric, went out there, and we were, we were ill-prepared, and we lost the biggest game of our lives. Eric Winalda, not afraid to say it like it is and not afraid to also answer the tough questions. You mentioned Sunil Galati over in Zurich, over in here. People are going to say to Eric Wynalda, you wanted to be a coach, you're a big TV star, now you want to be president. What do you really want to do? Well, I mean, that's a fair question. I mean, I've been doing what I've been uh, uh, you know, pigeonholed to do, and this is, this is where I was placed. It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. I've always wanted to coach. Uh, people will, will say they'll question my commitment because of uh, the Atlanta experiment. People that don't understand what happened in Atlanta don't understand me. People will think that, that I came in and it wasn't completely committed to the club. And that there was the joke about Skyping it in. Look, here's what happened. I was not paid for the last eight months of that contract. I stayed to do the job because I brought 14 guys there that I owed it to. 
how is that any different than the job I'm trying to take right now, which is an unpaid position where I'm trying to help? People don't know that I didn't get paid. I, I felt uncomfortable talking about it. But the reality was is that I stayed on as a technical director to try and help uh, the Atlanta Silverbacks because I brought players there. And if, 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 if I would have left and they would have pulled the plug on the Atlanta Silverbacks, quadruple coup never happened. Jaime Chavez never happened. There are players that, that played for me in that year that now represent their country. None of that happens if I just, just say, well, you're not going to pay me? I'm out of here. Sorry, guys. Unlucky. I'm out. That's not what leaders do. Leaders they stay in there, they dig in, and they, they fight the good fight. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Being a, being, you know, wanting to coach and wanting to help people and figure out a way to you know, facilitate moments of joy for people that sometimes you don't even know them, that's, that's what life is about. And when you look at what we're trying to accomplish at the national team level and with our federation, we need a, we need a reboot. We need, we need to revamp this system. And, look, I'm, I am the guy to do it. I have great support from ex-teammates, from the community. Uh, got a great chance to meet some of the people from the state associations across America over the last couple of months. And I think there is a, a will there. There, there is, there's, we, all should, we all want the same thing. We have a passion for this game, but we need direction. And we need leadership now. We've had a boss. Now we need a leader. So how do you dedicate your energies now? Because you're also a father and you've got some youngsters as well, which I love seeing <laughs> the pictures of your beautiful kids, Eric. And, and you know, and it's going to mean that maybe you can't do the Fox thing anymore. Uh, or maybe it doesn't mean that. Maybe you keep doing that and you'll be present. I don't know. I mean, how do you do it all? <laughs> and is that your goal? Do you want to keep doing all of it uh, and use that platform on Fox? Or do you have to give that up? You know what I mean? What are you going to do with that? Uh, I'm going to give it up. I mean, I think that that was deemed as a conflict of interest. Um, I did take a, a leave of absence, um, which is another interesting uh, component of this. If you really think about it, Fox and the United States Soccer Federation believe that it's a conflict of interest for me to continue to work for Fox and utilize that platform. And unfortunately, somebody in there once said, hey, oh, so you're going to run against the U.S. Soccer Federation? And I had to correct them and say, no, I'm running for the United States Soccer Federation. I'm trying to make this better. How is that a conflict of interest? And there's, a, there's you know, legal teams that are battling out right now. But if I have to walk away from Fox to do this in the event that I win this election, that would be the greatest move I ever did. When it comes to my family, uh, who is more important than anything else uh, to me, uh, I have a great wife, uh, and Amanda is, is a lawyer. Um, there's... There's oh, there's a, a lot of advantages to that, by the way, <laughs> good and bad. <laughs> but I think uh, you know somebody asked me the other day. They said, "How can you handle all the stages of development?" And I was in my kitchen uh, talking to them, and I was on speaker, and my my wife and I were kind of collectively preparing uh, dinner, which means she was actually doing all the hard work, and I was cutting the bread. But they was on speaker, and they said, "Well, how are you going to handle all those stages of development?" And my wife kind of looked at me and smiled and said. Just invite him to dinner. I think we've got all stages represented. So, you know, I, I think when you look at all of this, um, you know, soccer and, and, and this sport has done, you know, as long as, as far as we've come, and as much of an inclusion it's had in my life, it's still my extended family. Um, and my kids understand that, especially the older ones. And, and the young ones are, you know, there are beautiful little creatures who are going to play the game someday. But, you know, the, the truth is they – They'll understand that their dad uh, did this to, to change so many lives. 
what I'm going to do. Change a lot of lives here. With Eric Quinalda, a presenter at the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention. And as he said right away, you're not here to talk to me about just being a presenter. You're here to talk about the news of me putting out my name for president. Okay, two more questions, Eric, and we'll let you go as you've been so kind with your time. You know that one of the biggest jobs, whoever is the next president of U.S. soccer, or if Sunil stays in that spot, is hiring the next coach to lead the men back to the World Cup. Who's your coach going to be? How are you going to go about that process? Well, I mean, first you've got to be uh, – that, that's, that's, that's a great question, and it would be a knee-jerk reaction if I were to answer it immediately. But, you know, that's a search. That, these is, this is where, um, in my opinion, you don't make the decision on your own. And you, you, I, would, I would really call upon – you know, some of the other voices of people that I respect in the game that would be able to chime in here and, and say, you know, how, okay, who's the right guy that's going to understand what we're doing and, and how we're going to do it? I mean, I'm going to ask Brad Friedel what he thinks. I'm going to ask Tab Ramos what he thinks. I'm going to ask Brian McBride, Landon Donovan. I, th- th- these are the people that need to be uh, at the table making, you know, helping with these kind of decisions because you, you, you want to make sure you get it right. At the end of the day, ultimately, I would make the decision, but, you know, it's too premature right now, but there are there are wonderful people out there that, that maybe even the sporting director or the technical director is a decision that's more important than the coach. But um, the way we've addressed the coaching position over the I would say the last decade, um, and I think ever since Bob left, it kind of went sideways on us. And when 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 Jurgen took over, we gave him all of these roles just to justify his his salary, and ultimately his job should have been to pick a team evaluate and select a team that's it how many games did Jurgen Klinsmann go and watch within our league mm. I, I think that that number is going to be you know, fewer than what you have on your on one hand he he didn't go and he didn't he didn't evaluate uh he, he watched from his house at home and and you know it went from one game to the next with the clicker it, it's different than that. It, it's going to have. It's going to take somebody um, that that has a perfect understanding of who we are, what we're trying to become, uh, and and knows our guys and knows their character. I mean, Peter Vermes comes to mind for everybody, but he's and he's on the list. But that doesn't mean he's the next guy. There's there's so many different ways you can go with that. Back to kind of the core question of where your focus is, and I really appreciate and applaud your answer of saying, hey, I'm stepping aside from Fox right now while I go for this. But getting to know you just a little bit better, Eric, if at the same time you were about to become the president of U.S. soccer, you were offered the head coaching job at the L.A. Galaxy, but you had to pick one, what are you going to do? I'm going to change a couple of people's lives or everybody. That's so, the answer. Okay. And, that, and, that, and I think that answer, that answer in itself tells you what I would do. All right. You are going for the president. All right. So here's the thing. You are going to be at the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention. You're going to be a presenter. You're going to be in the news. Why should everybody show up to hear what you have to say in Philadelphia? Well, I mean, one of the things about me, and, and you alluded to it, is – is that this isn't shoot from the hip, but this is someone that has a lot of passion for the game and a lot of experience. So, you know, if I if I just sat back and kept it all to myself and didn't share, that that would be a crime in itself. I mean, my my goal is what it would always always has been is to make this country better. So, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I certainly think that I can help in that process. So, 
So it's always a fun time to come out. Uh, the questions at the end of that, that seminar are always the best. And that, that's, that's probably the best reason to answer your question why to come out, because somebody always tries to hit me with the hard one at the end. You've had so many great memories, Eric. What has been the greatest memory for you in this incredible life you've had in soccer? That's too hard. To, they all kind of you know blend into one. I, I, I do remember specifically, and we talked about this the other day, just the realization that I was going to go to the Bundesliga and play uh, in, in a very high level and represent this country well, and to, to, to kind of pierce the shield, if you will, in, in Germany, uh, to be the first guy to ever step on, uh, on the field as an American-born player in the Bundesliga. That'll always stand out. That, that's just, that was something that, that was special, uh, and I felt like I was carrying the flag for everybody, and I, I hope I represented as well. And you're ready for this pressure cooker. You're about ready to walk in. You're ready for it. This isn't pressure. That, pressure is, is, is really being out there on the field and, and having all that responsibility of, of you, know, it, you know, hit or miss. And, you know, again, you got you to keep your composure. There's a lot of similarities, but, you know, I've, I've said this time and time again, as someone in the media, um, for as long as I've been in the media now, people expect a hot take on stuff. This is a job that you're not going to get a hot take. This is where you get the level headed answer. And that's what you gave us today. You did indeed. United Soccer Coaches, Eric, so grateful that you agreed to be on today because today's the, the day they unveiled the presenters and they asked for you and you're kind enough to join me. I really do appreciate it, especially during such this busy time where you are in the news, my man. Congratulations on your commitment to U.S. soccer and wanting to do great things. And thanks for being with me once again. We got a great uh, future, Dino. Got to remember that. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Dean Linky, delighted to be with you. Of course, today's the day the United Soccer Coaches unveiled their first list of presenters for the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. Eric Wonalda is one of those. And, of course, we like to be current. We like to be present. Major League Soccer, a longtime partner with the United Soccer Coaches. The draft for so many years has been held as part of the United Soccer Coaches Convention. And Major League Soccer playoffs start this week. Playoffs, yeah, we're talking playoffs. And we're pleased to be joined by Greg Lalas, who's the vice president of content for Major League Soccer. Job he's had for the past couple years. He's been in content with Major League Soccer for at least eight years. But uh, I think he's been involved in some way with Major League Soccer for all 22 years. That's why I love him, because he's been around as long as me. Greg Lalas, great to reconnect with you. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, it's uh, my pleasure. um, It has been a long time, and it's great to reconnect as well. Yeah, it is. And obviously, I've known uh, your brother for a long time with the 92 Olympics and then the 94 World Cup, and you were always there as well. You were a heck of a player as well, played a couple years in Major League Soccer. And, you know, like uh, Alexi, you had that knack for media, right? Something you always enjoyed, and you always enjoyed writing and TV, all of it. You kind of get to do all of that right now, right, with Major League Soccer? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I think he was a lot better in front of the camera than I ever was. I kind of did it uh, on a whim and for the fun of it um 
but uh, you know, I, I found that I'm actually better, I think, behind the camera or, or um, trying to tell the stories from behind the camera, at least. So I went into writing especially and, and now sort of helping to guide uh, all the content that we create for MLS uh, that we share, you know, running the website and, and sharing with all of our co- uh, partners, such as ESPN and things like that. So um, he, uh, he was always uh, a sucker for a, a red light above a camera. And uh, I think I did it begrudgingly until I was able to be the one who could say, all right, now turn the camera on and point it at that guy over there. I like that, Greg. And, you know, I want to move on to talk playoffs, and I want you to get as detailed as you can on the playoffs to let everybody know. But I do got to ask you, because I've always loved your attitude. And, and, you know, look, you're now Greg Lalas, the vice president of content. And, you know, some people still know you, uh, you know, as also the brother of Alexi Lalas, but less and less because of the great work you've done over the years. But how is that role? How do you accept that when people say, oh, yeah, he's Alexi Lalas's brother? It's not a bad thing, right? Uh, Well, um, it's... it is when it's just him and me because um, <laughs> we used to get, we used to go at it pretty pretty well. But you know, it's not a bad thing at all. And you know, I've always been very proud of of what he's done. I would say that uh, you know our relationship has, like every brother brother relationship, has been uh, rocky at times. But um, you know, I think that we're both very mutually respectful of what the other person has done. And um, I think things, you know, we're both in the soccer world, but we approach it differently and we have different perspectives. And I think that actually makes it more interesting um, th- than anything. And, yeah, I've heard it again and again. Of, oh, you're Alexi's brother. You're Alexi's brother. And I-, I will say I have an ego. And-, and there was a time probably, you know, many years ago now, hopefully, um, that I would get sort of riled up by that. And I didn't like that. And now I've come around, and and now I'm very proud of to call him my brother. So um, it's been a it's been a fun run with with him over the last 20 years or so since the '94 World Cup. Um, and I've been I've had um, a front row seat to it all. And uh, some of the stories I could tell about him and things around him uh, would would be a lot of fun for a book someday. I'm looking forward to that. That was a great answer. Great candor. Thank you so much for being so honest. But here we go, though, as we talked about trying to be current, trying to be on top of things on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. The playoffs begin this week. Now, we're recording Wednesday afternoon. The knockout games are going to be played tonight. So when this airs, the results are already in. But we're going to let you kind of pontificate, prognosticate, one of those big old words on what you think is going to happen, and then we can perhaps compare notes after we see the results and you listen to this show. Having said that, why don't you start talking about tonight's knockout rounds, again, knowing this is going to air tomorrow. starts with what is a tantalizing uh, matchup between Chicago and the New York Red Bulls, and there's really one focal point here, uh, and that is Dax McCarty. Um, as, um, as most people would know, Dax McCarty was traded in the offseason from uh, New York Red Bulls to Chicago. There was a lot of hoopla around that. Um, and Chicago had a fantastic season after several years, um, a little, let's say, down in the dumps. So, um, and Dax played a huge role in turning it around. So now they meet at, uh, at Chicago, and you know the Fire have had a great season. They've got Golden Boot winner Nemanja Nikolic, but everyone's going to be looking at Dax. Um, who himself has actually said that's kind of lazy journalism to focus on that, but he also, I think, appreciates uh, that that is going to be the storyline and, and how Dax reacts in this game. Is he going to be uptight? Is he going to be the, the one who drives the midfield to the fire? 
Um, that's going to be that big storyline there. The other Eastern Conference knockout round game is going to be Atlanta United, newcomers to MLS in 2017 who've had a tremendous year, um, and they're hosting the Columbus Crew. Um, and Crew SC, of course, are you know in turmoil right now because of the, some of the things on the business side. The players have said that's not going to uh, affect them. Um, head coach Greg Berhalter even came out the other day and said, oh, you guys read into this way too much. Um, so we'll see if it does. Um, they played pretty well in their final uh, game of the regular season, um, but they're going up against what is arguably the scariest juggernaut in the league, which is Atlanta United when they're at home. Um, I think they're expecting another uh, 70,000 or some incredible number to be at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium for that one. So, you know, keep an eye on Joseph Hernandez, who's a newcomer that just seems to score goals at will. Um, and this kid, uh, Miguel Amiron, Paraguayan international, is back from injury. So um, uh, the crew are talking a big game, but I think it's going to be very hard for them against Atlanta down there. Uh, so, and then out in the West, let's go out West. It starts with Vancouver, San Jose, and uh, the Earthquakes got into the playoffs with a goal in like the 90th minute. They had to win the game. They were tied 2-2, and they ended up getting a goal uh, in the 90th minute, which caused chaos out in San Jose. So much so that there was actually like a 2.3 on the Richter scale at the stadium which, uh, you know, makes sense. They are called the Earthquakes. So, uh, but they got in. Now they go up against the Vancouver team that I think is, is playing pretty well. Um, they, didn't necessarily, they didn't win their final game of the season. They lost to Portland. But they've had a good run this year, and I think they're a lot more solid than they have been in past years. Plus, they're at home. So um, I think that the, the Whitecaps will have a, a good shot of getting through. And the other Western Conference game is sort of um, if you can have a – sort of classic playoff matchup. I think that Houston sporting Kansas city is one of those. They've met each other in the playoffs. I don't know how many times over the last 10 years. And now they're doing it again, Houston hosting, uh, SKC, the dynamo attack is really, really thrilling. They've got a bunch of young, um, central American players who are super fast. Alberta Lise is a, uh, a fantastic player. Romel Kyoto is a great player. Um, Manotas, another good forward, and Kubo Torres, the Mexican uh, international. So they've got all these young attackers. I think the question for them is going to be, how do they do in the back? Um, AJ De La Garza got hurt. He blew out his ACL in their final game of the season, so that really hurts their defense. At the, on the other end, though, Sporting Kansas City not exactly lighting it up lately. You know, you never say you never want to necessarily go against Peter Vermees' team. Uh, they always fight and they scrap and they won the U.S. Open Cup earlier this year, so they know how to win in these sort of knockout games. Um, so we'll see how they do as well. I think that uh, Houston is playing for sort of that pride of Houston and everything that happened with the hurricane down there as well. So that should be a really good game. That, that actually, I think, is probably the game, other than the Dax McCarty story, that Houston sporting Kansas city game is the one that I'm looking forward to the most. Cause I think it's, it could be the most explosive match of the, of the knockout rounds. Fantastic breakdown of the knockout rounds. Give us kind of a glimpse on the teams uh, after the knockout rounds are over that are favored a couple in the East, a couple in the West, and then remind everybody when the MLS cup is what time and all that good stuff. The next round, if you will, comes up uh, the, the conference semifinals. 
Um, and, and you look at the, the four seeded teams, the two seeded teams in both conferences. Um, and we'll start in the East where Toronto FC have uh, rewritten the record books in terms of what they've done in points in a season. Um, they, you know, Jovinko, Altidore, Michael Bradley, they're just loaded with talent. Um, and I think that it will be very hard for anybody to beat them in these playoffs. You know, they're trying to make another run to the final. Uh, they lost in the final last year, so they feel like they have some sort of redemption uh, route that they need to take in this one. Also in the East, though, New York City FC, who had a really good season, much better. They've continued to sort of improve on the year before. Patrick Vieira has proven himself to be um, quite a coach and, a, and a, a, an assessor of talent. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not fully convinced about them yet. I'm not sure they have what it takes to get over the hump against a Toronto I'd even say that if Atlanta United beat Columbus, as I expect them to do, that's going to be a tough matchup for New York City. Um, but then again, they have David Villa, who is one of the contenders, certainly for MVP. So we'll see how that plays out. In the West, you have who's the guy who's probably the front runner for MVP, Diego Valeri with the Portland Timbers. And the Timbers won the Western Conference, if, if you will, by beating uh, Vancouver in the final game of the season. Um, they look very good. They look sharp. They have looked tremendous over the last couple of months as they've sort of gotten their rhythm down. Valeri has had a, a season to remember, one an historic season, if you will, with all the goals he's scored, I think at 21, 22, something like that. He scored in nine straight games, which set a record. Plus he had 11 assists or 12 assists, something like that. So I think Portland's going to be very hard to beat out West. But the team that probably could beat them came in second, and they're also seated, and they're waiting for someone from the knockout round. It's the Seattle Sounders. So if you're a soccer fan in the United States, in Canada, anywhere in the world, you have to be salivating over the prospect of a Portland-Seattle uh, matchup in the playoffs wow. with a chance to go to the MLS Cup final, which could happen. The question for Seattle is they uh, will be missing Clint Dempsey, in their first game of the conference semifinals because he got a red card in his last game. He threw an elbow. Uh, it was a deserved red card. Um, so they're going to have to find that spark somewhere else. Um, you know, they do have guys like Nico Ladero and, and players like that who can step up, um, but now they just have to step up even more. So uh, a, a lot on the line there. I'm looking forward, I hope, for a Portland-Seattle matchup at some point. Here with Greg Lalas, the Vice President of Content for Major League Soccer. So pleased to be breaking down the playoffs and breaking down a great year. You did a nice job mentioning the amazing crowds in Atlanta. And then I did get all excited about Portland-Seattle when you think about those crowds. In general, the crowds this year for Major League Soccer at almost all the markets, uh, mind-boggling. Yeah, um, it, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, you know, look, we've watched uh, Atlanta from afar uh, here in, in uh, the headquarters in New York, and just kind of, you know, it's that next taking that next step. Um, I think in many ways, you know, we look back to when uh, all of the expansion teams as they've come in, going all the way back to '98 with the Chicago Fire, and they're coming into the league, and and you start to see it growing, um, success on success, um, and. You know, I think that what Atlanta has done so far and been able to sustain is, you know, nothing short of miraculous. For someone like you or me who's been in this for so long, it's very satisfying, and it even makes you think there's so much more to do. How how else can we continue to build this thing? Um, and, you know, really having kind of that north star ultimately of, 
of maybe winning the World Cup at some point, you know, and, and hosting the World Cup would be great again. Um, and all of this plays into it. So you look at what Atlanta does with their crowds, uh, Orlando with their crowds, Seattle and Portland, of course, Kansas City. More and more we're seeing that sort of very fervent and passionate fan base coming out for the games. And I think that that only will just feed back into the growth of the game across the board. Finally, Greg, as uh, we march toward the MLS Cup, also going to be a lot of hardware handed out in the coming weeks as well. You touched on MVP candidates. Break down mm-hmm. who you think is going to win uh, some of these awards uh, in every category, please. Well, I think um, I, I'll tell you what. MVP this year is one of the harder ones that I think we've ever seen. Um, Diego Valeri is the favorite, if you will. He's had a fantastic year. The Portland Timbers are finished in first in the West, and, and they look good. So it's hard to ignore him. But at the same time, David Villa has again had a tremendous year for New York City FC. He just continues to score goals. He scores clutch goals for them. Um, it's also really hard not to look at Nemanja Nikolic in Chicago and everything he's done, 24 goals on the season, uh, you know, made an assault of, of, of a sort on the all-time record, which is 27, which is held by Chris Wondolowski and Roy Lasseter. Um, so I think those are your three front runners. I think if I were a betting man, I would say that Diego Valeri probably will win it, and I, I am perfectly fine with that. Like He could deserve to win it. Any, th- any of those three, I think, deserve to win it. But I do think that if Valeri wins it, which I think he probably will, then I would say that, you know, hats off to him because he deserved that. Um, goalkeeper of the year, always another good one. Uh, I've been very impressed with Tim Melia in Sporting Kansas City, and I, I think that, uh, you know, what he's the season he's had and, and the long career that he's had of sort of getting to where he is um, and then to turn it on the way he has, I think is, is um, very deserving. And so I could definitely see him uh, winning goalkeeper of the year. Uh, some of the other ones, coach of the year, that, that's a, a tough one. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Velko Paunovic in Chicago and his ability to turn the Chicago fire around in just his second season in charge definitely has to have a look um, and, and is part of that conversation. Patrick Vieira and his building on season after the last two years um, and building that team up in New York City FC also has to be part of that conversation. And then Greg Vanny in Toronto FC, who, look, he probably has the most talent and the most depth, but he's gotten them to do what they needed to do to have a record-setting year in terms of points in a season. So uh, you, you can't ignore a record-setting year for any coach. Um, so I think those are probably the three contenders for Coach of the Year. Who wins that one? up in the air I, I would put my money on Panovich because I think that he was starting at, at a much lower base to get the most out of him and then he convinced uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger to come and join he made the trade that got Dax McCarty he brought in Juninho from uh, back into the league and made some other moves so for me I think Panovich has been the, the the coach who's done the most with what he has Okay, Greg Lalas, Vice President of Content, Major League Soccer. Greg, if people want to follow you on Twitter or check you out, where can uh, they find you? On Twitter, I'm uh, at Gajans, which is uh, named after the former U.S. national team star Joe Gajans. Um, that's G-A-E-T-J-E-N-S. Good stuff. Greg Lalas, fantastic take, getting us caught up on Major League Soccer, the playoffs beginning this week with the knockout round. 
all the way through to the MLS Cup, played at the highest seed. And his prediction, Toronto-Portland in the final. We'll see how that plays out. Greg Lalas, outstanding take. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for all you do for Major League Soccer and for the promotion of the game in our country. Thanks for having me, Dean. Okay, and we end today's show with another visit from our United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 Superstars. Bucknell assistant coach Lee Howard is fantastic, and she joins me next. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com slash NSCAA1. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. We head to Bucknell and meet another of our outstanding United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30 members. Remember, 15 men, 15 women under the age of 30 doing great things around their love and passion of the game, and that's no different with Lee Howard, the assistant coach for the Bucknell Bison women's soccer team. Lee Howard, welcome to the program. Hi, Dean. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yeah, we're delighted to have you and thrilled to hear that uh, you sometimes listen to the podcast. So we appreciate that very much, Lee, for sure, and appreciate your input as well. All right. First off, tell us about uh, your interest, your intrigue in applying for the 30 Under 30 program. The program is one that I've applied to a couple times over the past three years or so. I was very fortunate enough to get uh, accepted this time around, one that I continued to pursue, not just because of its reputation amongst some of the its former participants that I know, but also um, just with the types of opportunities that it provides you to learn and grow as a coach. And right now, your Bucknell team, you've got a game on Saturday. Get us updated on how your team's doing this year. Yeah, we've got a, uh, a big game this coming weekend against uh, Navy. Navy right now is sitting in the first seed in the Patriot League while we sit in second. So this weekend we'll determine who gets to host the the event, um, the championships next weekend. Big game for us. Uh, we're sitting at 7-1-0 in the league, and Navy's at 7-0-1. All right, tell us about uh, your coaching staff, who you're working with there at Bucknell, Lee. So I work under Kelly Cook, who was uh, formerly Kelly Cuss, who has been here for three seasons now and when she came three seasons back uh, she brought along coach David Madsen who was formerly at University of Wisconsin Milwaukee and then myself uh, over from Trinity College so we came the three of us together for the 2015 season and are going you know strong on our third season this year well indeed and Howard was uh, part of a coaching staff that earned at the time, the United Soccer Coaches Regional Coaching Staff of the Year honors last year, helping Bucknell capture the league championship and advance to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2005. And based on your conference record right now, the plan is to return, right, Lee? That's the hope, Dean. All right, we're here with Lee Howard, one of our United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30. And here's the thing, Lee, you also want to continue to learn even beyond what you're doing at Bucknell, beyond what you're doing under 30 under 30. And, of course, a couple weeks ago we had Jerry Smith on, we had Danielle Slayton on as part of the new partnership between what they're doing out in California and with the United Soccer Coaches. And you're part of that now too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, As of just a couple weeks ago, I received notification of my acceptance in the Coaching for Life Academy, uh, overrun um, by the staff at Santa Clara and Danielle Slayton. Something I'm really feel very fortunate to be a part of, just like the 30 under 30 program. Um, you know, I think it's it's a unique 
experience when any of us assistants get to kind of spread our wings beyond the staff and beyond what we learn on a day-to-day basis and get the chance to hear from people who've been part of the game for you know, successfully for a very long time. Yeah, you know, it's one of those uh, programs as well that you can kind of take your time with it, though. It stretches out over time. What are you looking to get out of it, Lee? What initially struck me um, in learning about it, not just on the podcast, but being able to go online and do a little bit of research on my own, is the approach that they take as a program to develop athletes' life skills through sport. And that's kind of been a main theme of mine throughout my, my young coaching career, and just understanding kind of the holistic career that we're a part of as coaches and being able to develop not just, you know, our athletes on the field, but being able to widen that approach and, and really hit home the development as people. Let's get to know you as a young person. Tell us where you grew up and uh, your family and how you got the soccer bug, Lee. Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut, just outside of New Haven, small town of Bethany. I guess from, from an early age, I was acquainted with the game um my dad being a former player for UConn um under Joe Maroney back in the day so you could say I guess it was in my blood in that way and you know I spent a lot of my years growing up playing under my dad up until I made made the switch to play in college where I played also in Connecticut uh, for Trinity College, which competes in the NESCAC Conference of Division Three Soccer. Joe Maroney actually got to interview him a couple times as part of the NSCA Fox Soccer Game of the Week. He's indeed a legend and certainly missed as well. Rest in peace, Joe. You're a good man. So many people have fallen off that Joe Maroney tree that are doing great things, including your dad. Okay, so the decision to go to Trinity, tell us uh, what position you played and how that went as a player, Lee. In Trinity, I really found what I was looking for in terms of a competitive program uh, relative to its, its conference and its division, and then also a program that could give me what I was looking for from an academic standpoint. A big part of my college search process was to find, you know, the best school that fit my aspirations as a student athlete. And I found that Trinity and and the NESCAC in general was one that gave that well-rounded balance of the student-athlete experience. Uh, I played center forward for for Trinity for my four years, was fortunate to have a couple successful seasons in that, and then able to be brought back on onto the the program as an assistant coach uh, for my years following graduation. Yeah, talk about that transition because you mentioned going there to play and also academics. When did you know that uh, you wanted that academics to lead to the sideline and being a coach? Yeah, you know, that's a funny question because I definitely didn't go into Trinity knowing that that's exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, But part part of my search process entailed the opportunity to go abroad and to be able to experience learning in a different setting under different circumstances to which I had previously been exposed to. I think in that experience, when I went to South Africa to study abroad my junior year, um, I was exposed to the game of soccer um, and the way it was able to impact people in a to- on a totally different level. Um, and that really, you know, coming back to the States, sparked my interest in continuing with soccer beyond my four years collegiately. You spent that junior year over there, Lee, and you interned uh, with the Edu Football in Cape Town, South Africa. You helped organize and supervise leagues in 11 children's homes, the Cape Town area, and then you helped organize the Crime Prevention League in the township there. But then you went abroad again in the summer of 2013, and this time to Nicaragua, 
with the Soccer Without Borders program. And I remember you telling me before uh, we scheduled your interview, that was important to you. It helped shape you a little bit. Yeah, I think that, you know, through both of these programs, as with with many of the great programs going, um, that really focus on bringing positive change through sport. I think what I learned about myself, first of all, is, is the power that soccer, powerful role that soccer has played in my life and in shaping who I am as, you know, not just a student, not just an athlete, but as, as a young woman. And I think the opportunities in both South Africa and in Nicaragua, while, while different in terms of, you know, their demographics, the population that we worked with, um, they, they were very similar in the sense that they helped bring about a sense of unity and a sense of identity to young members of the community who, without sport, may not otherwise have it. Um, and that, for me, was extremely powerful in not just learning about what I can do for others, but but what others and what the sport can do for me. You know, one of the other great things about the United Soccer Coaches, we even heard uh, Erica Dombach talk about the fact that when she joined, she was just happy to be a part of it. Now, when she shows up, she's like, wow, they do so many great things for women. They're opening so many doors. And, you know, I think you see that uh, every time you go to the convention. And then I think about where you are at Bucknell, coaching under Kelly Cook. And then you're telling me that uh, you're getting ready to face Karen Gabara at Navy, Marsha McDermott, Nancy Feldman over at Boston. Boston University, and then you've got a Sarosky on your team, which is uh, the daughter of Shannon Higgins, arguably one of the greatest to ever wear the red, white, and blue. You're around some pretty impressive female leaders in the game, right? I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the league of which I'm fortunate to be a part of. Like you said, uh, between Nancy Feldman, Marsha McDermott, Karen over at Navy, um, Kelly Cook, and, and even even in Casey Brown, who is who is one of the former 30 under 30 members, uh, you have a lot, of, a lot of females who've been in the game for years or who are, you know, young, energetic, and, and confident coming through the ranks uh, for me to look up to. And I don't think I could be more fortunate in that sense that I have, you know, as a young, as a young coach trying to find my way, um, many, many women to look up to to see um, to see how confident they've played their part uh, in their years as, as a collegiate coach. Kind of along those lines and that spirit of collaboration, we talked about how the doors have been open now for so many female coaches. But also, you know, sometimes soccer is just about a ball. It doesn't matter whether you're male, female, black, white. It doesn't matter. And one of the things I love about uh, getting to know you before this call is, you know, the Bucknell men's program is right next to you and Brendan Nash and you guys do collaborate, share ideas to try to grow and make the game better. Right. Yeah. You know, coach Nash has been such an influential part of our program and our integration as a staff here at Bucknell. Not only is, is he provided, you know, kind of an open door policy set up for our hallway and and in learning anything from how to get the field reserved here at Bucknell to, you know, the X's and O's behind how we might beat the next Patriot League opponent. But he's really been a great resource for me as a young coach. He's fantastic in in helping me bounce ideas off him that I either have to bring to my staff or, you know, in terms of my aspirations outside of Bucknell and outside of the coaching world. He's someone that I look up to with what he's been able to do for over 20 seasons here at Bucknell. And, you know, he's someone that has a lot of respect here on campus. 
I love it. Lee Howard, I love your energy. I know you're committed to the 30 under 30. You're stepping up as well, being a part of the Jerry Smith, Danielle Slayton program that just joined the United Soccer Coaches. Bucknell's doing great. Hope to see you back in the big dance and definitely hope to shake your hand at the United Soccer Coaches Convention 2018 style in Philadelphia. Definitely see you there when we recognize you and the 29 other members of the 30 Under 30s. Lee, well done. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Dean. Very much appreciate it. Thank you, Lee Howard. Thank you, Eric Wilnalda. Thank you, Greg Lalas. Outstanding show today. We'll be back next week. Same time, same channel. The United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today.